My ethos for my work is like, be there in the moment. You know, whether I'm in the community, documenting everyday moments or everyday struggles or everyday uprisings, I just want my work to read that I'm there. I'm part of the space. You know, I have blood, sweat, and tears in this space. Hello, and welcome to Art Restart, where we explore how artists are reinventing their fields and building a new landscape for the arts. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. In this episode, we'll be getting to know photographer Shedrick Pelt. On January 6, 2021, hearing that Trump supporters were descending on the U.S. Capitol, D.C. resident and freelance photographer Shedrick Pelt grabbed goggles, a respirator, and his Canon 5D Mark IV camera and ran to the scene to document the event. The arresting images he captured on that terrifying day are the subject of attack on democracy through the lens of a black photojournalist, a traveling exhibit that opened at Gallery O in Washington, D.C. one year after the attack on the Capitol. Shedrick's instinct to run toward the danger of that day was based in a bone-deep commitment to community and local storytelling. Moving to D.C. in late 2017, he quickly embedded himself in that city's artistic community, working with such organizations as Exposed D.C. and DuPont Underground, where he serves as cultural ambassador. He also currently sits on the board of Focus on the Story, an internationally recognized nonprofit dedicated to promoting the work of leading photographers and providing education and resources for visual artists. His work has been featured in Washingtonian Magazine and in exhibits at such institutions as the International Center of Photography in New York and at the Phillips Collection in D.C. He also curates the Look Here Gallery, which is a revolving gallery that features the Black experience in D.C. through the lens of Black photographers. And as of 2022, he is a contributing photographer for Getty Images. Shedrick spoke to me from an Airbnb in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in which he was touring and photographing on a self-assigned exploratory and documentary trip. I started out by asking him to talk about when he picked up his first camera. You know, I, I think for the earliest part of my life, I was always a quote-unquote jock. I played sports, I played baseball, I played a little bit of football, basketball. So the earlier part of my life, for young said, I was always into sports, you know. And I had, there were definitely rumblings of an artistic side uh, to me as well. I, I can remember I used to draw the Cleveland Indians logo all the time. Every single notebook <laughs> had the Cleveland Indians logo on it. Um, so that was like a little bit of my artful side. And then as I as I got older, as I got into my kind of like young adult life, um, I was in, into the bar business. And, and at that point, I didn't really have I didn't really have artistic endeavors. Um, I was just I was young and I was making a lot of money. So I was into that life, you know, and then I moved to New York in 2009. And then that's when I really got bit by the uh, the artist bug. You know, we, I was just coming out of a little bit of a turbulent time in 09. It was, you know, we were coming out of the recession and it was the first time as a young man that I'd ever been exposed to like the hardships of something like that. Also being like a young man that was working and like had things that were affected by the recession. So 
you know, coming to New York, I was just looking for a way to just like be re-inspired. And um, if you've ever been there, the city, every single corner is something that is just like you're in awe of that's so much bigger than you. And uh, and the way I absorb that whole experience was through art and photography. And so I remember it might have even been so oh nine there was there might have been some type of like camera phone ish some kind of archaic version of the camera phone. I remember getting a uh, film rebel camera. I had no idea what I was doing with it, uh, but that was my first actual camera. Camera was like a rebel film camera. And what would you photograph? You know what? Again, I was like just absorbing the city. I was just like these sky these huge skyscrapers. Uh, I was also working for a a streetwear brand called Mishka uh, and they were based out of Williamsburg, uh, Brooklyn. So I was, I was taking this train from Harlem, New York, all the way to Brooklyn every single morning. And I would just snap so many shots all the way there. And soon after I, I quickly went into the digital world because when film, you know, you don't get that feedback right away. You're waiting. And then also as somebody who didn't have very much money, I wasn't able to like develop the film as fast as I wanted to. So, you know, I had the I did the film thing for a few months and then I quickly like went to digital. So, you know, so I can get that gratification, that immediate gratification. I gather that your you, you your beginning of your career in photography was really doing live music work. It was, it was, but I would say I would honestly say it was just a little bit unexpected that I would gravitate so much towards the photography side of it because even yes, even in the even in the music world, I was I was a graphic designer, so I was working on a lot of album art. Uh, I was working on a lot of flyer work. I was because the, the 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 company Mishka that I worked for, they were actually heavy into the DIY upcoming SoundCloud hip hop community, you know, um, and they were supporting artists like Action Bronson. He's a New York based artist. Artists like that, they're really supporting these upcoming artists. So I really had access to these artists because they were always coming through the warehouse, always coming in to pick up gear or whatever. So I had access to these artists and I would, you know, connect with these artists and say, you know, hey, you know, can I come to your show or and I'll take some photos. So I was in this graphic design world, but then I was like having access to this artist. So I was like taking photos of them as well. So that's kind of that's kind of how I kind of transitioned into like music photography was from that uh streetwear brand underground hip hop kind of world as a designer. I wonder if you can draw a line between your work in Harlem or your work in New York taking pictures of live music acts and your going out to take pictures of that insurrection. You know, I I would say at the and I think a lot about this too because I'm kind of always analyzing my own journey because everything I do is running parallel with my own story, right? Like I can tell you when I did this, this photo, this was what's happening in my life, you know, or whatnot. So my work is as much about the subjects or the moments that I'm capturing as it is about my own journey. And with that, I would say that you know, being so far away from home, I always, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm living, I always try to tap into that community because it makes me feel like I'm at home. You know, coming from a Southern upbringing, home is everything, community is everything. And being away from that, wherever I go, I want to find that community. So even living in Harlem, I was very much a community kid. You know, I was always out in the streets, always riding my bike around. Sometimes I'm just like hanging on the corner, eating a sandwich, you know? So 
that community, uh, you know, yearning for that community experience transitioning over to D.C., which is certainly a very tight knit community once you're inside of it. My ethos for my work is like be there in the moment. You know, whether I'm in the community documenting everyday moments or everyday struggles or everyday uprisings, I just want my work to read that I'm there. I'm part of the space. You know, I have blood, sweat and tears in this space. You know what I'm saying? And I I find that, you you know, people appreciate somebody like that, you know, regardless. So um, January 6th is just another moment where I knew that as an artist, as a journalist, as a community person, I needed to be there, you know, and that's what put me in that space initially. Did I know what I was really going into? Absolutely not. None of us knew. You know, we hear this type of rhetoric and it seems so like, it seems like something that can unfathomable, you know, you, you can hear somebody say, let's take the Capitol. But when you live in DC, you understand how sacred that building is that the security around that building to say the least and you you never fathom that that could happen. So going into that day, I knew I had to be there and I wanted to be there just to document these people here. Um but I did not know that that was actually going to happen. Um now I will say this, there were you know, there were examples of it could possibly happen prior to that happening that November the proud boys were in town for uh, a weekend. And I think somebody got stabbed. There were definitely a lot of violent uh, encounters with counter protesters, counter MAGA people. So, you know, we all kind of, as journalists or as people of DC in general, we all know that there's a possibility, but there's not a possibility that something like that extreme could happen, you know. So one of the things that you're very passionate about is making sure that Lens-based workers are diverse, that we who absorb daily news don't see current events just through literally a white lens. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you can talk about what, as you were navigating that incredibly dangerous event, what do you think you might have captured through your lens that perhaps a white colleague would not have? I wouldn't necessarily say that I would capture anything necessarily any any different in that space, but I will say that me being in a space, I had a completely different experience than my white colleagues, you know. So my own, even in my own head, the experience was was different than than those colleagues. You know, I I went in well, first of all, I mean, as a southerner, I went into that space not really shaken by that kind of crowd because I grew up with that those type of people. You know what I'm saying? So that part really didn't shake me. That only that only kind of heightened my awareness of the space that I was in and how dangerous it could potentially be. The spending the day there, I sort of had the a lot of introspective moments of like, this is where this country's at. And I'm here attempting to document this and I need to be aware of I I need to be able to step outside of just being a journalist where these other photographers around me, I don't think they're feeling that kind of pressure, you know, and that was something that I recognized in the morning is in in the moment is like, I I felt like I was running around a little more frantic trying to stay, not, not being able to be, you know, pinpointed. But I feel like a lot of my white colleagues, they, it looked like they felt very, comfortable or relaxed in that moment. Oh, you mean because you felt you were more in danger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the line that was drawn about going into the building, 
I really wanted to go into the building, but I knew that once I got into that building, I could be recognized as a quote unquote enemy by either side. You know what I'm saying? That was a potential there. So I, I, I didn't even enter the space, but yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, we capture anything different, but I surely had a, a different experience. I think your images really capture the events, but I'm curious what what happened to you when you got home safely that day, when you had this this trove of images and were just kind of recovering from the day. Did you know what you had in hand and what you wanted to do with it? You know, honestly, you know, it was, I described the day in the moment for me as like the, uh, the frog in the boiling water, right? Like we didn't really know how hot it was until we were already boiling. So, I mean, and that kind of, that feeling was, you know, was throughout the day. Like I didn't really know that I was really capturing history like this because when we were in that, on the Capitol for those four or five hours, we were really isolated. We had no communication. They had cut all the cell service. Um, oh, you know, I didn't realize so that. We were really isolated from the news. Even even right before they they cut the cell service, I'm having a ton of like a slew of uh, messages, text messages. Are you okay? What's happening? What's going on? Everybody knew I was there. My mother's texting me, calling me like ten times at this point. Um, so you know, I was able to quickly Google something, and then I see on the on the news that they're talking about they've stormed the Capitol. You know, I'm just like into it. So I don't really see it as a storming of the Capitol. I I certainly didn't know that people were entering the building at that time. So that little news clip gave me a reference point to why people were so anxious about calling me. And then as soon as soon after that happened, um, yeah, they cut cell service. And then we were just kind of isolated on this island for pretty much the remainder of the day. Um, so even coming home, I knew that, A, I needed to get the images out as quickly as possible. And B, I needed to really try to take a moment to digest what it was, but I really couldn't digest the moment because I was just in edit mode. I was looking for powerful images, not necessarily dissecting the moment at that at that time. Did you immediately scroll through your role? When you got home, uh, I you know I'd been scrolling through my role throughout the day, so I kind of knew what was going on. But I, I absolutely immediately took that card out, put it straight in my computer, and started looking looking through those photos and just and yeah, really I was. What were the what were what were the two or three images that right away you knew captured something remarkable about that day? There was an image where we were coming down Pennsylvania, and just to see the sheer wave of people. That were coming. I mean, for as far as I could see, north and you know, up and down Pennsylvania, it was just a sea of people, and it was so striking because it just showed the commitment to the message. You know, like I'd been seeing, I'd been seeing, you know, people the the anti-Trump supporters. I'd been seeing this thing slowly wane because now Biden was in office and everybody felt safe again. So the commitment to that cause was a stark contrast to co- the commitment to the their cause. You know, I mean, tens of thousands of people all marching in the same way, in the same branded colors, with the same flags, all the fish swimming, swimming upstream. And that was like, wow, you know, it really put in context like what we're up against. 
So that one shot there is very, very much striking. Uh, there's another image where I'm actually at the door of the um, the Capitol at this moment. There's a man on the right-hand side of the frame. There's another two or three gentlemen on the left side. The man on the right side has a railing that he is torn off of the building. And he's you can see him loading up to smash the door. And at that time, there were three or four U.S. Capitol officers in this alcove inside of this door. And this guy is and they're spraying tear gas out of that door just to get these people back. And this guy is smashing this door. And one guy on the left side is holding the door open so that the, the officers can't. And people are there's one guy just ducking in across the back of his helmet. You can see U.S. Capitol Police. And that really that moment really encapsulated. And it, that was burned in my mind, too, because in that moment, I'm just kind of diving in to get the photo. But I'm also getting some of that contact from the pepper spray that they're spraying. Also on my back, there's like a hundred people just clamoring, screaming, shouting at these cops over my back. So there's, I feel that weight of that pressure behind my back. I feel what's going on in front of me, and I feel just like sandwiched in between the two, you know. So after I did my thing, took my shots, I really just grabbed my camera, ducked, and just ran out of there. It was really a powerful moment for me as well. But that shot catches my my attention, and then there's also a moment where there's a young man step standing at the top of the wall that surrounds the Capitol. And he has some of these neo-Nazi flags on his back. He has his military vest on that says deplorable across the front. And he also has two colored smoke canisters billowing out of his arms, right? And they're one's pink and one's blue. And uh, it's almost like a very victorious moment. But for me, it was very comical because to be showing so much bravado and like trying to be like this, the man, he was using like these, uh, only thing I could explain them is like baby shower colors, like pastel, <laughs> baby blue, baby pink, you know, colors, smoke spewing out of his arms, but he's like trying to be so, rah, you know, <laughs> so it was very, very comical. And that's not even to mention that they were scaling, you know, you see ropes, they were literally throwing these ropes on the wall and scaling the wall like in the movies. So you see kind of the top of ropes under his feet. But what you don't see off frame to the left is a staircase that they could have happily <laughs> walked up. So, you know, this I'm, I'm looking, am I looking at like a Jim Carrey movie or I'm looking like uh, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, satire movie at the same time, you know? So, you know, those, those three images are, are three that kind of, encapsulate the day for me. Part of your ethos is also making sure that your art is visible to your community. Mm -hmm. So what were your thoughts about how you would get the images seen? The whole thing about a, a new sort of way of thinking that I'm going into for the future is that I want to create work that outlives the algorithm. You know, a lot of my work, you, you'll see it. I post it one day later, it's forgotten about, you know? So I wanted to, with this work, it, this was like when I did this outdoor piece, this was on the year anniversary um, leading up to my exhibition that I was having. I wanted to like create something that was in your face, unavoidable. And again, it extended the conversation. So I did some wheat pasting street art and Adams Morgan um, on the side of a building. I did two 
Uh, I think there were 42 inches by 36 inch pieces. Uh, they were individual frames that I pieced together an entire photo. And I we pasted that up in Adams Morgan in, in Washington, D.C. So and that and that was really something I really was able to engage with the community because people were like walking by that space all the time and reading the the words that I had attached to it. And also it just kind of popped up overnight. So I think people were really caught off guard by that as well. So so talk about that. What both there and also at the exhibit, talk about how your work was uh, received, interpreted, felt by those who saw it. I think the most special and 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 like I spoke about earlier, um, not being able, not being connected to a mass media organization really worked out in my favor because I have ownership to that entire moment. I don't have to ask for permission to show my work. I own the rights. And that's for most people that were there documenting that moment in the way I was documented, they were probably attached to a, a media outlet. Right. So um, they don't own that story. They can't tell the story that they want to tell. But I was able to tell the story. I was able to tell the story from a black perspective and tell you about the moments of uh, violence that I even incurred while I was there on the Capitol. People were able to and especially at the uh, exhibition, people were actually able to engage with somebody that was there in that capacity. I think that was very because people asked me a lot of the first question out of their mouth was like, did you feel safe? Right. What was it like? Right. You know, people want like people have been hearing about this thing on every news network for the last year. But nobody's had an opportunity to sit down and talk with somebody that's been there. And that was like an advantage for me and my work. And also, again, being able to tell the story that I the way that I wanted to, I didn't have to worry about who was managing behind me. I just told it exactly how I saw it and how I felt that day. So I think that made it very special and very, and that made it interesting to people. And also I brought, you know, I brought this element of like, again, this story about black journalism being part of the fabric of journalism, even though we're grossly underrepresented by the mass media, you know? So our stories are still there. You know, even, you know, there was the young lady that uh, that filmed the George Floyd thing. You know, she wasn't a necessarily a journalist. She was just a voice on the street capturing a moment, you know? Um, and that kind of like grassroots energy is like very important for, for media, I think. How did that experience, how has that experience shaped the way you're thinking about your career henceforward? I think this comes full circle back to like why I'm even here right now um, in Lancaster taking photos. It's like that moment, it really committed me to being a storyteller and being there to document places and things in like an ever-changing world, right? Like so much thing change, even, even me being away from home for a week. I'll go home and something has changed, right? So being that person to document an ever-changing landscape is very important. Even if we want to talk about the cliche, you don't know where you're going till you know where you've come from, you know, kind of thing. Even if for that reason alone, it's just really, yeah, I've, I've really, I'm really at a place where I want to 
document things in a way that's not only interesting and beautiful, but also really timelines and like is like a little I want my work to be like a little um one of those little time capsules that they bury in the ground, right? Like maybe nobody sees it now, maybe nobody knows it now, but in 30 years people will come back to this work and say, This is what the world used to look like. And this is the man who captured it, you know? That moment really, you know, pushed me to like really settle in, really like really also really dissect these moments that I'm capturing, not just capture them, but really understand what's happening, how you're changing, how the world's changing, you know, growth. Like a lot of, as a young man, obviously every single minute, every single month, year of my life is about growth. That's just the window of life that I'm in right now, right? So I'm just at a place where I'm documenting moments and just watching this growth for myself and the the rest of the world that I'm capturing. If you'd like to read a longer version of this interview and also see some of the images Shedrick references in this episode, just head to uncsa.edu slash art restart. I trust you're subscribed. Good going. And if you would also be so kind as to spread the word about our podcast to the artists and art lovers in your life, that would really be wonderful. Oh, and let us know how we're doing. You can find me on Instagram at PC Talenti. Our theme music is by Shanghai Restoration Project. I'm Piercarlo Talenti, and on behalf of the Keenan Institute for the Arts, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>